probably two more lessons and we will be through. Probably one more. We'll see how that work and we'll be through. But I hope that we were instructed enough that we know what biblical forgiveness is and we know how to implement forgiveness in our life and how we handle forgiveness. Um, we've asked questions, we've gone over questions, and so we have some idea about some difficult things, how to approach them, and we will continue in biblical forgiveness tonight. And um, if we have questions at the end, we'll take some questions at the end. But I believe this lesson is so vitally important. The more I get into it, the more I kind of study about it, teach about it, live, live it myself, um, you get to experience how essential uh, biblical forgiveness is and how it's in the middle, in the midst of our Christian walk, our, our relationship with God. Biblical forgiveness is such a powerful, powerful lesson within our Christian uh, life. We, we need to really pay attention to it uh, because it will really liberate us once we implement it, apply it to our life. Our two key verses we're going to deal with tonight is Romans chapter 13 and 8, and then we'll deal with um, what we've been dealing with for a while, and that's Matthew chapter 18, but we will probably go into verse 15 through 20 and really hone in on those verses tonight. So our main couple of verses that we will deal with is Romans chapter 13, verse 8, and then we will get into Matthew chapter 18, and we'll study um, 15 through 20. And those are our main verses of scriptures. Yes, we'll dip into this and that one, but those two scriptures are verses of scriptures we will deal with heavily tonight because it's very important. So Romans chapter 13, verse 8 says this. Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another had fulfilled the law. Owe no man anything. Owe no man anything. But there's a but that was thrown in there. You know how sometimes we say things and then we say, but... And so there's a but. So the word of the Lord said the but is this, love. We should not owe anybody anything. We do not owe anybody anything. We owe everybody love. So if you want to know what you owe people, if you take care of your bills and responsibility, if you handle your life in a, as a good steward and do things the right way, then you won't owe anybody anything. Except for love. But love. So love is something that God has commanded that we give to everyone. We are indebted to God to love everyone. And when you love people, it means that you don't want to hurt people. Nobody wants to hurt the person they love. If we say we love someone, then we don't intentionally set out to hurt them. And when we hurt them, we are supposed to do our very best to handle that hurt, to try to rectify that hurt. 
if we love, we're not supposed to hurt one another. We're supposed to do everything we can to care for one another. Somebody say amen. amen. And so with that in mind, here we go into biblical forgiveness, lesson 4A. We have talked about the alternatives to forgiveness. Remember, we're always trying to find alternatives instead of doing what God said we need to do. So we read sometimes in the scriptures, and we even tell ourselves sometimes that's not what it really means. We read in the scriptures, and sometimes we say that can't be what God is really saying. And so we try to find an alternative because for us, because we don't think we should be doing that or that's too hard to do, guess what? That's not really what the Bible is saying. As a matter of fact, that's where so many people have interpreted the Bible in their own private way because they are reading something that goes against how they see things, how they feel about things, and so they see it in the Scripture clear as day, but now it's time for them to say, I don't agree that's what God is trying to say, and they come up with their own explanation so they won't have to do what the Word of God says. So alternatives is never, never accepted by God. God do not accept our alternatives. God accept what he says. <laughs> Only what he says he's accepting. He's not accepting our alternative. One of the discussions that um, always seem to come up ever so often, some of you people that's been in Pentecost a long time, well, let me say, some of you people that's been in the apostolic faith, for a long time, tell me you haven't heard this discussion time and time. Here's the discussion. So you telling me everybody has to be born again, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues in order to go to heaven? You telling me, aren't there some people that was baptized in the Father, Son, Holy Ghost that's going to go to heaven? You telling me that, that they're not going to go? We have, if you know, if you've been in apostolic faith a long time, you know you've heard that discussion many times. People want you to want you to say to them that God will make an exception for some people. We always have that. There are just things that we talk about, and some people don't move off of it because they're going to go to their grave saying God will make an exception for this thing. I'm not going to rest my walk with God based on God will make an exception. I can't guarantee that. You know what I can guarantee? Whatever he says, he will honor. Because he's that kind of God, right? He's a just God. He's a faithful God. He's a loving God. So I know there's no way I will do what he says and him not honor that. Now, I'm taking a chance by saying... Oh, I know God understands. I'm taking a chance. I know that that God is not going to let me go to hell because of this. I'm taking a chance. <laughs> I'm good. I'm not taking that chance. You go ahead if you want. So I'm not going to get into that discussion of will God let certain people into heaven that didn't follow his instruction all the way. I'll leave that alone. 
Because there are people that lost loved ones that didn't do it quite the way the Bible says, and they are going to swear on that loved one grave. They'll give a right arm to say that loved one went to heaven. I'm staying out of that because the only thing I know is guaranteed is what God says. It's the only thing I know that's guaranteed. Everything else is called a negotiation. And all negotiation don't go your way. Just leave it right there. And so God is asking us to forgive. Let me change that. God is commanding us to forgive when there is an offense that is committed. He didn't ask us to use some other alternatives. He says forgiveness is the way you fix the offense. The offense that took place caused an imbalance to take place in those two people's relationship. And the only way God can bring back the balance is through forgiveness. And so we have to understand those things. So what did we say? Some of the alternatives we practice instead of just forgiving someone are this. Restitution. Somebody offends you or you offended someone and you just start doing nice things. There was never any forgiveness. You just start doing nice things. And in your mind, me doing nice to you is my way of saying I forgive you. Well, that seems okay to me, but that's not what God says. That seemed like that's reasonable to me. That's not what God says. So we will try restitution to try to give something back or to try to be nice. Some of us will retaliate. You did me wrong and that's unacceptable. I'm getting you back. We know God says vengeance is mine, so retaliation, come on, we, we, so, right? Then some people, they can't beat you, and so no sense of them retaliating. They don't have it within them to give restitution, so you know what they say? I resent you, I can't stand you. And so while they might smile in their heart deep down, they resent you. That's an alternative. It's not what God told you to do. He said to forgive. Other people practice reservation. I stay in my box and I keep you in your box. We don't have to intertwine. We don't have to deal with one another. I'll speak to you if somehow we come across. I'll just say hi. But really, that relationship is not the same again. You stay in your area. I stay in my area. That's our relationship now. The problem with that. The Bible teaches about unity and fellowship and what you're doing is isolating somebody. So you you still need to practice biblical forgiveness. Then we have what we talked about was roll off. Water rolling off a duck's back because the duck is is oily and slick. So the water just kind of roll off. Well, some of us, instead of forgiving, we just say, I'll just let it roll off my back like it never happened. The problem is it happened. And no matter how much you let it roll off, 
it happened. And the bottom line is, you still didn't do what God said. And the final thing we try sometimes is we act like we forgot it. We walk around like it never happened. But remember what we said last week. You're not in control totally of your memory. Remember we said that? Mm-hmm. You try to forget it a little bit, and you might forget it for a little while. Then all of a sudden, something happened to remind you of that thing that you try to forget so much. You can't forget it. So the only way to fix that situation, to bring things back in balance, is what God said. Forgive. Can't get around it. Forgiveness is what God commanded. And forgiveness is what... He expects. Understand this. Say you receive the revelation of who God is, that Jesus Christ is almighty God and man. And when you got that revelation, you realize, oh, my goodness, my life is not right with God. And I realized that he became a man and gave his life so I can be saved. So in order for me to be saved, I'm going to have to get my life right. And so what did I do? I repented of my sins. I got baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I received the gift of the Holy Ghost, evidence of speaking in tongues. I'm in a church that I call my church. and I'm faithful and I'm living for God. If that's the case in your life, understand this, whether it's good or or bad that happens to you, it was allowed by God. Whether good or bad, after you decide and give your whole life to God, it's all good. And it was for your own purpose and for your own benefit. We can't forget that. So when something really devastated happened to you personally and you're living for God and you're faithful to God, you have to quote Romans 8.28. For we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. We have to understand that God knew That thing was going to happen, and he didn't stop it. There are things that could have happened to you that God stopped. You probably don't even know, and some of it you may know. Why did he stop that thing, but the thing that hurt you so bad, he didn't stop that? got to ask yourself that question. That thing... That could have killed me way back then. He stopped that and I didn't die. But this thing that I'm so hurt and I'm so devastated by, he never stopped that. I thought God loved me. All things work together for good. And so God allowed this thing that hurt you so bad purposely to happen because the word of God says that we've been quoting in this study for so long for it must need be 
that offense will come. None of us will walk this earth without being offended time and time again. We will be offended. But God is trying to get us to be like him. Now you see why we got to keep our eyes on Jesus and says, I'm striving to be like Jesus. Because he was the one that got hurt by his own creation. And he kept going. Kept forgiving. Nobody else did it like him. And so we understand now that we're striving to be like him. Because he was the one that got hurt, that got offended by his very own time and time and time. And he forgave time and time. So that's what we're striving to be like. So that thing that happened that crushed you and hurt you so bad. Listen, God sympathized with you. God knows that you're hurting about it. But he still had to allow it. You might not understand why, but he understands why. The Bible calls him omniscient. Means he knows everything. You only know a very small amount of things. He knows everything. So because he knows everything, he determined that that thing that's going to hurt you so bad and offend you real bad, I'm going to have to allow that to happen. Mm-hmm. 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 Every experience that you have had happen in your life is designed to bless you, good or bad. Remember we talked about Job a little bit. And remember what I told you about Job? That Job had a little bit of self-righteousness in him. He did. And if you go and you start reading Job chapter 36, chapter 37, chapter 38, you will see God kind of got a little rough with Job. Right? One of the things God said to him was, where was you when I stretched forth? Why did God have to say that to Job? Because Job had a little self-righteousness in him. And so when he lost his kids and he lost all his material things, it was for his good. That's hard for us to grasp. But it's really the way it is. And God knows all things. And so while it might seem to us as unreasonable, cold, just not nice, this can't be Christianity, this can't be the God that we serve, while we can look at it from our fleshly standpoint and our hurtfulness, because remember, when your hurt is talking, we just have to let you talk. <laughs> me, you, whoever it is. When we hurt, do me a favor. When somebody hurt talking, please don't respond to them. Let them talk. Let them scream. Let them cry. Because we're unreasonable when we're hurt. And we don't think straight when we're hurt. We just lash out and we lose it when we're hurt. Let them do it. They're not in their right mind. 
the hurt is what's operating in their mind. They're not thinking clearly. They're only responding to the hurt. Let them do what they have to do. And then later on, we can handle it the way God say handle it. Matthew chapter 18, verse number 15. Actually, verse, the entire book of Matthew chapter 18, verse 1 through 35, the main theme that it teaches is forgiveness. The entire chapter of Matthew chapter 18, the main theme is forgiveness. So, listen to me. Everything that you read in Matthew chapter 18 pertains and is connected in and with forgiveness. So don't take things out of context. So as we study our Bibles, always remember you have to keep things in context. You can't pull something out of Scripture and just make it work for how you want to and didn't keep it in the context to what it was written to. So everything you read in Matthew chapter 18 has to do with forgiveness. Now, are some principles transferable? Yes, some principles are transferable. But the theme of the book of Matthew chapter 18, it's dealing with forgiveness. So when you read those things, apply it in a way of forgiveness. Don't apply it for blessings and cursings and all of the stuff that you want it to be. Don't acquire it to, you know, the power of God. It's all, or the presence of God. It's all about forgiveness. Matthew chapter 18. So let's look at verse 15. And we'll, what, what did we say? We look at 15 through 20. And that's where we'll finish up tonight. 15, chapter 18, verse 15. Listen to what it says. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him. Woo, look at you. He's all in it. Brother Sharp all in it. Alone. Now we read it, and the the thing that we get, we get, go to thy brother and tell him his fault. We get that real good. But it said, alone. It said, alone. Very key. Make that a side note, put that in the back of your mind, because we're going to revisit that alone thing again. But the other thing I want you to pay attention to, it says, if your brother trespass against you, did it say, if a sinner trespass against you? So stop getting so sensitive and, and, and so pro- protective when a Christian brother or sister do something to you. Don't say, I thought they were a Christian and they're not behaving like a The Bible said a Christian brother will trespass 
offend you, Bob. It didn't say the sinner. That's given. That's a given that a sinner will, will offend you, will trespass against you. But God said, your brother, get that through your mind. So don't get real, you know, surprised when a Christian person do something to offend you. That's Bible. Says your brother. Go to that brother. So, your brother trespassed against you. Your brother offended you. Your brother upset you. Your brother wounded you. And brother, sister, ladies, you're not out of it. I kept saying, brother, you know, you probably think, I'm a lady, so it wasn't talking about me. No, it's talking about every one of us that are Christians, okay? So we want to assume clearly that you didn't do the offending, but your brother or your sister offended you. So we're going to kind of go with the flow as to what the scripture is teaching us on this particular situation here. So your brother or sister, they offended you. You didn't do anything to offend them. They just offended you. All right? So that's what's happening. When they offend us, understand this. Here's the part that I think sometimes we miss. When your brother or sister offends you, their offense or their sin sometimes causes them or forces them to separate themselves from you. Watch it now. So I do something to you, Bob, and offended you. My natural instinct, natural instinct, is now I withdraw myself because I know I did you wrong. So now I'm trying to avoid you because I know I did you wrong. And instead of me saying to you, forgive me, no, 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 no. Again, I'm not doing the God thing. Now I'm just starting to walk on this side of the church and not over that side because I know Bob always sit over there. So I'm just going to start walking on this side. I stay away from you because I know I offended you. Yeah, that's some of the stuff that we do. Yeah. So, I also can withdraw from you because I'm ashamed of what I did to you. So, two things is going on. Well, one thing is going on, but for different reasons. I withdrew myself from you because... I knew what I did, and I'm ashamed of it. What did God, what what happened with Adam when he sinned against God? That's the original man, right? What did the original man did when he offended God? All right. So it's natural that when we do people wrong, and even, you know, if they look real quick, you look the other way. <laughs> Don't even want to look with them. Act like you never see them looking at you. you look, look the other way real quick. Uh-huh. Keep those things in mind as we're moving through this. Keep those things in mind. So, it could be that we withdrew from them because we're afraid of retaliation. Because you know you did something to them. And if they... Get close enough to you, they might punch you in the face. Or they might just scream at you, tell you off, retaliation. And so, whatever it is, we stay away from them. 
The Bible says your brother, though. It's the main thing. Notice it says your brother. It didn't say a sinner. And I want to make light of that because some of us handle our Christian brother and sister ignorantly. And I think mainly old time people that's been around in this thing for a long time. So sorry, old time, if you've been around this thing a long time. The new school people don't do this as much. But some of the old timers, you do something to them and they call you not a brother anymore. He can't be no brother, act like that. They start treating you like you a sinner. You're not a child of God. They don't treat you like a brother that did something wrong. They treat you like you stone cold sinner from the world. Mm-hmm. And not even a stone cold sinner from the world we should treat like that anyhow. But anyway, the scripture says your brother. Even though they did you wrong, the sinner said your brother. The scripture says, okay, so your brother sinned against you and withdrew himself. Your sister sinned against you and she withdrew herself. Understand, they're not in a good place now. And that's what we keep missing while we never deal with that forgiveness thing that God tells us to deal with. So if I did Bob wrong and I'm hiding, what does it mean? I know I did something wrong to Bob. Now, let me say this real quick. If I knew I did something wrong to Bob and I go to God, I get convicted in my heart and I go to God and I repent, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to make my way over to Bob at some point in time. Bob, I know I offended you the other day. Matter of fact, you probably saw me kind of avoiding you. I know I did something wrong. Bob, you are my brother, and I want us to have a right relationship. And I felt a little void in my life all that time while I'm hiding from you. And I want you to know I love you, and I want us to be back in right relationship. That's, that's, that's how it works. If, if God convicted me and I repented. If I never do that, guess what, church? I'm not right with God. And if I keep on running and hiding from Bob, I'm not right with God. So if I die in my sin, I'm not right with God. And that's what the Bible is trying to get us to understand is that whole reconciliation of man. That whole just get us back on the right track with God. Really? That's what this is all about. Because when you willfully offend someone, it means not only did you take that relationship out of balance, but you are not in good standing with God. Uh-huh. That's what it means. And so the relationship is out of balance. And so what are we going to do? What are we going to do? When, when the Lord went to Adam when Adam sinned, remember, the Lord didn't offend Adam. 
Adam offended the Lord. Adam didn't show up. Adam didn't keep his word. So it was Adam that did wrong. But Adam was the one that was hiding. Who made the first approach? So why do we think when somebody do us wrong, they got to make the first approach? What am I missing? Are we trying to be like Jesus? Oh, no. Oh, oh, oh. Nobody didn't answer that one. If we're trying to be like Jesus, then what he's showing us is Adam offended me. Adam broke our trust. Adam did wrong. Adam deserted me. What did I do? Just, well, he better come and apologize. Is that what God did? He better come and apologize because he was the one that messed up. Is that what the Lord did? So why are we waiting for someone to come and talk to us when they did us wrong? What's our reasoning behind that? Because remember, the person that did us wrong, our brother or sister that offended us, they're not in a good place with God. They're already in a bad spot. They're already is just, just in trouble. And so... We can either let them stay in trouble or we can do what God did. Adam! Yes. Yes, sir. So, what Brother Tom is saying is, they offended you. And now they're hiding from you. And if we're going to do what God did, then we're going to go to them. Well, it's going to naturally have some time in there. Because we're not that good. What do you mean by that, preacher? Bob is not that good that when he got hurt, he could come to me right away. He's not that good. He can't do it right away. We're not that good. We're not that good. So it will be a natural thing. So he's hurt. And he got to gather himself. Probably pray a few days before he really can get over the hurt. Remember, Crystal talked about that. How, how do that work? Amanda talked about that. You, you, you're probably going to have to take a few days. It's probably natural. You, there's no, everybody might have different time frame as to when they go and start dealing with it because your hurt is your hurt no matter what. And so the hurt takes place and depending on how long it takes you to pray and get yourself right, get your mind right and how you can deal with it right. Because part of what we will talk about before we finish up here is that you cannot go in a phony fake way because you're trying to be spiritual. You can't do it. It won't work. So you, Bob get hurt naturally. He's going to take some time, probably even go to God, probably shed a tear or not. But he's going to go to God like, God, I... How did he, how could he do something like that to me? We still have that part of us, you know? We still have that reasoning part of us, just can't understand why would somebody just do that to us. Yes, sir.
when I bought my car, uh, a guy said something about me. They spread rumors that oh, I must be selling drugs because I bought it with his stuff. And so it got back to me, right? And then over weeks, his car broke down. He lived in Trenton. Guess who's the only one who took him home? Me. And I took him home. And he, how can you be sitting in the car with somebody and nobody talk to you? Sir? And you know, and, and God asked him about the third or fourth time. He said, you know what, Dave? I was a boy to you, man. And you know, you know what happened? And he said, I was so out of my character. I went out my way to avoid you. Good point. He started running away from me and he got out of himself. Good point. That's a really good point. So when you get hurt, that caused you to avoid them too. Your natural instinct. And remember, all of what we're talking about, biblical forgiveness is a God thing. It's not a man thing. So our natural way of being is not going to make us do that godly thing right. We're not that good. No, trust me. And so I'm avoiding him. And probably for a quick minute, dear, he's avoiding me too. Because he got to pray, he got to gather himself and all that good stuff before he get to that point of saying, I got to go get my brother and try to get him restored because he's a mess. Because he did me wrong and he didn't even realize it. So I know he's not thinking straight, him and God not on the right, you know. So I got to figure out how to reach my brother. But I can't reach my brother until I'm okay. So there's going to be a natural time lapse, I believe, that will take place before we go. Yes, um, Sister Riego. That's 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 a lot there to unpack. Um, the first thing I will say about it is you're assuming that they don't know. And that's a tough one to ever do. It's always tough to assume someone didn't know they offend you. Why? Because of all the alternatives we talked about. But that's what I'm saying. That But if they act like everything is okay, it could either be roll off. It could be um, reservation. It could be forgetting. So it could be three things that they're doing. Um, well, let's just go with two to be sure, because that's probably the two that make it work, either the roll off or 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 the forgetting. So they probably could be practicing those two alternatives. We don't know. So I'm still going to you after God makes sure my, I'm in good right stead with him. Still go to him because if they're practicing roll off or they're practicing forgetting, they're still not in right relationship with God. And remember what we said. Oh, no, man, nothing but love. And so I, if I love him and I know he's not in a good place with God, what am I going to do? Let him stay in the wrong place with God? I can't assume this game. This is, this is too serious for me to assume anything. So I'll rather make sure I get real right with God and then go to my brother or go to my sister and make mention of something. And, and we'll, we'll close it out in a second with, with how we go to them. And so if they really didn't know, they won't be offended and we will still gain back our brother and sister if they really did not know. But we always have to treat it like it's, they know, but you know, they're practicing one of those alternatives as opposed to doing what God say, which is to practice biblical forgiveness. 
And so it's important to understand that just like Jesus went to Adam and Jesus did not do anything wrong, guess what? We need to go to the person even though we didn't do anything wrong. Now, let me give you another way of looking at that. What if, Sister Sharp, what if Jesus decided, I went to Calvary over 2,000 years ago and died for your sins. I don't need to tell you nothing else. Think about that. What if Jesus never had any preachers? Nobody proclaiming the gospel over and over. No witnesses coming to us all over and over. What if Jesus just decided, watch me now. I'm going to Calvary for everybody. And if you want to be saved, you need to repent, be baptized, receive the Holy Ghost and live right. But I'm not going to be telling you all the time you need to get right or you need to be saved or look what I did. What if that's what Jesus practiced? That he just went to the cross that one time and then say it's up to you all now. How did you get saved? The first time somebody told you about Jesus, you got saved? Ooh. The second time? Ooh. So now you understand. When you go to somebody, it can't just be that's my only time. Because the question is, what if Jesus did that to you? This is my only time. I died once, and maybe I'll let a preacher tell you one time or somebody tell you one time what you need to do because I died for you. What if that's all you got? Calvary and one witness. <laughs> Calvary and one witness. Uh-huh. We can't go to people when we're going to deal with the forgiveness thing and says, listen, I'm coming to you because the Bible tells me to come to you. That, that, that doesn't work. That, 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 that doesn't work. If you're trying to gain your brother or your sister, you try to get them restored, you can't go to them. Well, pastor was teaching on forgiveness the other day, so I'm going to forgive you. That doesn't work either. It doesn't work either. That's not it. Why did God in the garden went after Adam? He missed their fellowship. He missed their time of being together. That's why he went after Adam. They always met at a certain place in the garden, at a certain time of the day of the garden. And the one day when Adam messed up and he was waiting for Adam to come, Adam never showed. So why did he go after Adam? He wanted to fellowship with Adam. He wanted him and Adam to be right with one another. He wanted him and Adam to get along and do what they've always done. That's why he went after Adam. So when you go to your brother... Or you go to your sister, you're not going because you need to let them know, I'm just trying to obey the scriptures. If that's the way you're going, it won't work. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save. Why would God be seeking when we were the one that messed up? 
Why did Jesus walk this earth trying to touch lives and save us when we messed up? Did he come and say, I can't stand y'all. I just got to do this because I'm God. I'm God, so I just got to always do what I'm supposed to do because I'm God. But if I tell you, y'all disgust me. Is that, is that how he came? Or did he come sacrificing his life? Or did he come being this merciful and loving and kind God when all of what we were doing to him? He's expecting us to approach our, the person we offend or the person that offended us. He's expecting for us to approach them the way he approached Adam. He's expecting for us to approach them the way he came to this world to approach us. That's what he's trying to teach us so we can learn, so we can know what to do. That's the way it's done, not the way we are trying to do it to say, I did what I was supposed to do. I did what I was supposed to do. That, that's it's on him now. It's on her now because I did what I was supposed to do. That that's how we do it. And God is saying, no, no. Verse sixteen. But if he will not hear thee, then take thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. That's a principle that can be used elsewhere. However, that principle started with forgiveness. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. So what it's saying is, don't want to get ahead of myself, but when you went the first time and you're going back, when you're going back now with two or three witnesses, you're not going back with them to, again, show the person up. You're going back saying how badly you want to be in right relationship with your brother. And all you're saying to the two or three witnesses, tell them. T- t- tell, t- tell Bob how much I talk about him all the time, even when we're just hanging and I'm just telling jokes and stories. I even talk about Bob. Tell him how much I miss him. Come on, Tom, tell him how much I miss him. I'm not there to tell, let Tom say, Bob, that's, a, you were just, you know, all the stuff that he said about you. We're not there to spread rumors. We're not there to make the person feel worse. We're there to let the person know how badly we want to be back in right relationship with them. So when you take the two or three witnesses, that's what you're taking them for. You're not taking them so you can tell that Bob is stubborn, that Bob is hard-headed, that Bob doesn't care, that Bob doesn't love, that Bob don't want to be a part of the family of God. That's not what you're taking them to show up, Bob. You're not showing Bob up. You're taking the two or three witnesses because you are begging. You are trying to get Bob to understand how badly you want you and him to be in relationship. Mm-hmm. No alternative is acceptable but the alternative to do it the way the Bible says. Your goal is to gain your brother. That should be your motivation. 
Your action must agree with your motive. So understand this. If our motive is not right, our action will not be right. Your motive usually dictate how it comes out. Your motive usually dictate how it sounds. So if your motive is not right, the way you handle it will not be right. Sister Riego. Doesn't have to be the last one, Sister Riego. Let, let me move my lesson along. Your question is in line with my the, the, the portion of the lesson that we are in right now. So, back to Brother Sharp when we read the first scripture. Alone. Remember that word? There's a reason why God gave us these specifics. And one of the reasons is, if you go alone the first time, as we pray to try to get God to work it out, That person, at some point, God can show them that the person that's trying to get them restored is genuine. Because they never did it any way other than the right way. Which was, they went alone. See, people can misunderstand you sometimes. If you do it any other way, they can think you're trying to show them up. But if you ever do it the way God says, which the first time. No husband, no wife, no cousin, no auntie, no pastor, no nothing. You go alone. No, 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 that's not biblical. See what I'm saying? That's not biblical. No. Again, if you offend Sister Henry, you go to her alone not brother henry not no sisters not no kids don't go get the pastor this is why when i started pastoring i told people don't come to me if you didn't go to them first don't don't try to act spiritual well you know pastor um sister so-and-so you know oh 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 i'm gonna i will not lie to you that's how i do you come to me and you oh 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 did you talk to sister so-and-so yet? Well, you know, she just seems so complicated. Sis, the Bible says go alone. Not with pastor. So get on your knees. Seek the Lord. Get the motive. And get the spirit right. And go alone. Any other way we do it. If that's really true. Are we going to be fussing talking about, do we really have to be baptized in Jesus' name? (laughs) You see what I'm saying? We want to be exact about one thing, 
But we don't want to be exact about the other thing. We're making a determination what can be loose, but what can be tight. And so, Sister Riego, we have to do it biblically. If we get offended, if we're offended or we offend someone, the word of God says, what the man of God read tonight with me and jumped out at the end there and finished up before me, the word says, alone. Any other way, you're asking for trouble. As a matter of fact, part of my lesson talk about if we don't do it the way God says, we make a bigger mess than the offense itself was originally. Because the alone thing didn't happen. If we didn't do it the way God says, we make a bigger mess than what God said originally. And so we have to go to them alone and follow that process again and again. Galatians chapter 6. Favorite portion of scripture, one of my favorite portion of scriptures. Because I remember one time, remember... I might have told this story before, but I'll tell it again for some of you that never heard it. I remember one time this young man called me up and says, I left the church. And I said, oh, really? This was my old church. He says, yeah, I left the church. He said, the pastor ain't right. He a sinner. That's what he told me. I said, really? I said, even though he's the pastor, you know he is your brother still. He says, yeah, I know that. I said, you know the scripture, right? He says, yeah, I know that. I said, all right, turn to Galatians chapter 6. Because <laughs> we can't deal with people on our emotion if we're Christians. We have to do it according to what God says. I said, yo, dude, turn to Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. And I says, you want to read it or you want me to read it? And he says, you can go ahead and read it. I said, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burden, and so fulfill the law of Christ. I told him to read that. You know what he said to me? Now, I give him credit because here was his answer. I guess I'm not spiritual then. I said, exactly. So you need to get yourself together. And when you get yourself together, then you need to go help that man of God that you call the sinner. You can't come and talk to me about nonsense. No, I never dealt with nonsense in church. I always gave them word, gave them book. Don't come, don't come to me with nonsense. I'm leaving because the pastor is a sinner. Okay. If he is, let's deal with that. Don't go around telling everybody the pastor is a sinner. No. Get yourself right. And if you know that he's wrong, then restore him. What do you want him? Stay in his sin and go to hell? I thought the Bible says, oh, no man, nothing but love. These people better leave me alone. You know, uh, I'm just, we just, we just have to come out of this, this, we can't handle people and the things that God tells us we need to do as Christians. We can't handle it the way we want to. 
And, and, and when you see it in the scripture and you know that's something that goes against your character and how you are, then it means you got to fast and pray. Get yourself together. Get your heart right. Get your motive aligned with the motives of Christ. And then you handle it. But don't go and try to change the word, add or take away from it, because it doesn't go with your character. It doesn't go with your personality. Don't go with what's natural to you. No, baby. We got to fast and pray till it become natural to us. Verse 17, and if you neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. I'm back now to, um, to Matthew 18, 17. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Does a heathen man need saving? Question. Does a publican need saving? So when the Bible says treat, treat him like a, a, a publican and a heathen man, it means treat him like someone that's unsaved. And if we're good children of God, what we're supposed to do for the unsaved? Reach them. <laughs> so people were used to quote that verse thinking it give them the right to say, I'm done with you. Or you can't come back to our church. No. The Son of Man, Bob, came to seek and to save that which is lost. A publican is lost. A, a, a heathen is lost. And so that's who Jesus came for. Jesus said, I came for them that are sick, not them that are well. And so sinners, publicans, heathens, they are sick and they need to be well. They need to be saved. So those are the people that the Lord came to focus on. So when a brother gets so messed up that he becomes as a heathen, as a publican, as a sinner, then we got to do what Jesus did, seeking to save that which is lost. How do you get away from that now? So we've been doing this thing to try to come up with some way of, of, of not doing what we're responsible to do, which is to show love or to do what the word of God. We're just looking for a way to say, I'm done with them. You don't have a right to be done with anybody because you owe everybody love. Man. Woo! This is heavy. But it's all right. It's, it's heavy, but it's all right. We owe everybody love. And so it's very important that we understand that we must love everybody. Anybody have any questions? Verse 18 says, Verily I say unto you, whosoever, or I'm sorry, whatsoever, ye shall bind on earth, shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Uh-uh-uh. Now I'm about to mess up your theology. You was with me until right here. Jesus is telling us here that in dealing with relationships or in relationships, things get bound and things get loosed. It's better to loose than to bind. So once you are in God's plan, if you bind, meaning you do not forgive and you fail to ask God to forgive, you shall be bound. (laughs) 
But we went around practicing. I bind, I bind that demon. And God is binding that demon in heaven. First of all, ain't no demon in the throne room of God. Only if you allow them to come, they can come. They can't come. So if we bind the demon down here, where is God staying to bind demon up there? So we've been saying, I bind the devil and I bind this. And that's not what the word is talking about. That scripture is dealing with forgiveness. So the scripture is telling us when we forgive, we automatically lose people. And when we don't forgive, we bind them and we bind ourselves. That's what the binding and loosing is all about. Yeah. That's why I started out by telling you Matthew chapter 18, the entire chapter 1 through 31 or 35, I think, it's dealing with forgiveness. That's the main theme of that particular chapter. Forgiveness. So everything that we deal with in there is forgiveness. If you loose, if you forgive and ask God to forgive them, then you shall be loose. You shall be forgiven. If the attitude is not first present, the action will not be present. The last two verses in that is 19 and 20. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Again, we like to say we're too touching to agree anything, they shall have it. It started with forgiveness. I believe the principle can transfer as well, but understand where it originated from. It originated from when there's an offense and people need to be loosed and people need to be released from their situation. That's where this whole principle started about binding and loosing. And that's where the principle started about touching and agreeing. You shall have it. So the bottom line is God is constantly trying to get us to be in right relationship with him and one another. And so that's why he says, if you touch and agree that you and your brother be back together again, be reconciled, bring back into balance. Guess what? You will have it. And verse 20 says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So again, that one is not when we come to church. It's, it's three people in Bible study tonight, so the Lord is here. Remember, I tell you that all the time. Because if you are here and you have God in you, guess what? God is here. And then if you want to get technical, God inhabits everywhere. There is not a place that exists where God isn't. So we don't have to say it's two or three of us here, so God is here. Nah, he's here. So that two or three gather in my name is that whole thing. I offended Bob. And I went and got two, one or two witnesses to come with me. So now it's three of us gathered together with Bob 
to try to let him know how much I want his relationship and want to be in balance, right balance back with him. God says, when you all do stuff like that, I work in that situation. When y'all want to get relationship right together, I work in that situation. That's what God is about. Remember, I always tell you, some people said the Bible can be summed up in one word, submission. And it's true. But I always use the word relationship. That's my word for the Bible. I say it all the time. The number one most important thing in this world, the number one most important thing is relationship. There is nothing at a higher priority existed among mankind than relationship, right relationship. There is nothing higher than that with man. Nothing. Because it's essentially why we're here. So what can be greater than that? So I have to make sure how I live my life, you have to make sure how you live your life. Relationship is at the highest priority and everything else come after. Any questions? I'm done right there. Yes, Bob. How about you can't reach somebody? You offended maybe a long time ago. You can't reach them anymore. Mm-hmm. And you want to forgive them from your heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. That works. That works. Because because here 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 is here is how it work. First of all, let me say this, and I'll mess with some of you um, seasoned Christian again. When you get baptized in Jesus' name, what you're supposed to do, and what the man of God that leads you to baptism is supposed to do is teach you to understand at that point when you're asking God to forgive you of your sins, when you're repenting to be baptized, you also have to acknowledge at that point and said, and I too do forgive and release. I loose everybody that has ever offended me. Because now, God, I know that I needed you to forgive me, and I'm getting ready to take on your name through baptism. I don't hold anything against anybody. So I forgive everybody. I loose them. And so if you can't get to them, you loose them by saying, I forgive them. And that has to be done in your heart. If you never get to them, there are people that probably you offended and they probably not here anymore. But guess what? You have to do the act of what God says, which is you have to forgive. And so if they're not here physically for you to see them and deal with it, it better be right in your heart. And you know who knows that? You and God. So you can't even play games with that. If you want to play games with that, you still put your soul in jeopardy. Makes no sense to play that game, man. <laughs> you know, one thing I learned once I decided that I need to live for God is I can't, as we used to say back in my day, I can't be, I can't be fronting. I have to, I have to just be like, this is what it is. I got to be honest about it because that's the only way I can deal with God and be free. If I do it any other way, I'm only causing myself problems. Any other questions? Biblical forgiveness. We have two more lessons, maybe. One and a half to two more. And we should be totally good with biblical forgiveness. And um, you, you should know how to do it. Yes, Stacy. Mm-hmm. 
it was God that carved out the paper, but it was like maybe she chose not to say I'm not speaking to you, or that she didn't want me to know, but at least she didn't tell me. I hear you. Anyone else? Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Off and on, Mm hmm. Now she says that God controls everything, good and bad. Uh huh. God allowed bad 